Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business, and we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek, out there in Tennessee. Doesn't let friends feed kibble. How are you? Good. Hi. Hi, y'all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Somebody just brought me some coffee. I'm always right. grateful when, um, when I get a new cup of coffee. How many cups of coffee do you drink today? You probably don't drink as much as I do. No, I would if I would if I could. It 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 bothers my stomach. Today I I do like a dirty chai some mornings, which is like half chai tea and half coffee because it doesn't bother my stomach as much. Okay. Um. So we and my husband Chris is kind of the same way. So we drink coffee mainly on the weekends and maybe one other time during the week. But I I can't drink it all day long. But I I love it. I love it. I go to the grocery store. You know, I just love to walk down the coffee aisle. Just. Smell it. <laughs> it's like the bacon. You know, when people are making oh. bacon, bacon smells good. Yeah, bacon and coffee together, man. That's what we have on Saturday mornings. Hey, I have a question for you. I don't know if you can answer this, but we were walking this morning and, and we heard the rooster. You know, yeah. there, 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 some of our neighbors have chickens and stuff like that. And the question was this Why does a rooster crow in the morning? Because again, I don't. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I mean, our rooster kind of crows all day long. Does he? Our rooster crows really early. He starts like around 4 a.m. Then like I'll get up to pee or something. And I'm like, what's he doing awake? You know, <laughs> the hens are probably trying to sleep. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I, I, I'd i have to probably look that up. Yeah. I was like, well, maybe they're just saying good morning. You know, yeah. maybe they're just, just talking. I, I don't know. But you're saying that your guy crows all day. Now, do you leave, can the roosters and, and the female, uh, we call them chickens? Hens. Hens. Uh, they get to hang in the same pen together or are they oh, yeah. separate? No, they're, yeah. they're together. Yeah. Okay. They, they copulate regularly too. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> I'm all for that. For every species. I mean, he's got it. That guy, that boy's got it good. He's got 13 hens and anytime he wants a little, he just, you know, goes and does his thing. So, so our eggs then can be fertile, but unless you incubate them, they don't develop into chicks. But um, the reason I have a rooster is like, well, if I ever did want to have my own chicks or something, then, you know, I, I do have an incubator. So you could just pull those eggs in and you have to incubate them. So because I bring the eggs in every day and stick them in the fridge. They'll never, they, they can be fertile, but they don't turn into chickens. They just turn into omelets. Uh, omelets. <laughs> I like that. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about salmonella. Okay. But I want to start out with eggs because, and the reason I I'm saying this is because I was talking with someone the yesterday and they were saying that, that their son died at the age of six. And now this is in Peru, okay? Mm -hmm. Because of salmonella. 
because of blood poisoning. And I said, well, where do you think that that salmonella came from? And he said, well, in Peru, it's quite um, normal. I wouldn't say normal or it's, uh, yeah, common. Uh, For any goes, it could be coming from lettuce. It could be coming from vegetables. It could be coming from all sorts of things. Anyway, um, he thought it came from the eggs. So I was talking with Becca, our manager, who also has chickens like you do. And, uh, and, and so she doesn't have a rooster, so they're not fertile, right? Mm-hmm. But she does take the eggs and is a- able to leave them on the counter without putting them mm. in the refrigerator. And I said, for how long? And she said, two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And she said, but you really want to, you know, clean off the stuff because it, you know, it comes out of the, of the sphincter, the bum, right? Mm-hmm. They only have, the chickens only have one little hole as we call mm-hmm. it. So everything comes out of that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, would that be common that eggs that you get from chickens like that would have salmonella and would, then I want to move on to salmonella and what kind of salmonella could even really cause that but yeah i mean i think that would go down to the health of the chickens too i mean my chickens like all my animals are completely spoiled rotten i buy only the best quality organic food that i can find and they actually get some of i'm giving them some of um your food the raw dog food yeah um now in the winter time because the, you know there's not bugs though i saw crickets out there this weekend i love these spring it, february and we're starting to see bugs already here in the bugs at night that's really pretty cool yeah um colorado yes. you got three months of winter yeah we got three more yes yeah, three we're more probably gonna it's snowing right now judy as <sighs> i'm talking to you i don't know if you can uh, see it out there but I yeah i can see it I'm so it sorry. is snowing Yes, all right. Um, but, but anyway, so I need a little extra meat in the in the winter time, and like my hens have laid all. They say usually they quit laying in the winter. Mine laid all winter, um, because I feed them well and I take care of them. So I think it's just like in any other species, if they're not taken well, good care of, then their gut's not going to be healthy. And if they're eating poor quality food, then maybe they would get an overgrowth in their gut of some you know, bacteria that's not healthy. Now, what I have heard is that if you want to leave them out, you don't wash them because there's like a coating that right. comes on the egg and you want to keep it for us. Actually, the uh, young man that's been doing some work for us, he said you can put um, like a, I mean, this would be a little toxic, I think, but like a, a varnish or something. If you put them in something or it was some lime something there was something else you could dip them in that mm-hmm. filled in all the little pores and then you could actually store them for several months because you're not allowing any air to get you know to get into the egg so then they last longer but what i have heard is that once you clean them they don't last as long because you Correct. take that natural coating off now you know sometimes i get them and they got poop most of the time my girls are pretty tidy. They don't poop in their nest boxes and, you know, the nest boxes are nice and clean every now and then there'll be an egg on the ground or there'll be one with some poop on it. And of course I wash that off, but I would say if they're clean, that it probably is not a problem, but if, and then, you know, this was like anything else. Do they know for sure it was salmonella from the eggs or what else is going on? Is, did the kid have other, you know, health issues 
what was his regular diet? You know, there's just so much that, you know, whenever they say, well, it was the salmonella, you know, they like, they like to name something. Was that really true? And, you know, what, what's the rest of the, what's the rest of the picture there? You know, were the chickens themselves healthy and was the boy healthy and, and, and all. Yeah. And, and he, he really didn't know for certain, um, that's what they they said it was a blood disease. Now, does salmonella actually turn into a blood disease? Well, it would probably start in the gut. And if the gut were really inflamed and you then, you know, like a really bad leaky gut where you mm-hmm. can get some bacteria into the blood. And then that's what we call sepsis when you have bacteria actually in the blood. And yeah, okay. that's really that that would be really serious. But. I would think that there had to be, you know, more to the picture, but that's really tragic. That's really sad. To yeah. See. It was 12 years ago when, when uh, that happened. And um, so we were just talking about it yesterday and, you know, salmonella is the thing that the FDA scares the, you know, tar out of pet parents on the raw diet. And um, yet there has never actually been proof of that. And how many strains are there of salmonella? How many different strains are there? I've heard there's like 1400 strains. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly, but probably, probably a lot. I mean, there's hundreds for sure. And, you know, most bacteria is, you know, beneficial. So just because, you know, we've talked about this when the FDA Mm -hmm. comes in and cultures raw food just because they find salmonella doesn't mean it's a salmonella that, that can cause disease. And probably even the, even the ones that can cause cause disease probably only cause disease and maybe a compromised individual one that already has other health issues. Yeah. But when you look at it for dogs, it's so, I think it would be, you know, so tough for a dog to get salmonella from a food. I yeah. I mean, when you look at how they are created and they haven't evolved to not be able to withstand the bacteria, right, in the world or, you know, eating dead animals. Now, I think what has happened, like you just said, is that our pet's health has been compromised because every single time you go in for a wellness check, Uh, You get some sort of unwellness uh, from the said protocol. If you get my drug. It's the unwellness check. Unwellness. (laughs) We're going to give you something that might make your dog unwell. and That makes us more money. Right. And um, you and I, Neely, Dr. Andy, I'm sure all of the folks that are out there in this business, we see just the most asinine asinine i got right prior to getting on the podcast today i had someone who just uh has has just started feeding raw found out her dog has cancer therefore the vet wants to take her dog off of raw because it's got cancer mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like what what would you feed a dog that has compromised uh, you know, uh, a system that any other food, it's just going to feed the cancer. Right. So I'm like, what, what in the world? Oh, yeah. I hear that all the time. 
all the time because we're with so many cancer patients and the oncologists, the vets, they all say, well, it's all that bacteria, especially if the pet has, has had chemo. Now I, I don't work with people that are doing chemo anymore because I can't support healing while the pet's being poisoned. I, I tried to do that balance and I just, I just don't do it anymore. And those just aren't, it's just not the mindset that I want to work with. So I don't, or like I'll work with people that are coming off, like maybe they've done it and they're coming off of chemo, but, but if, if chemo is being recommended, um, they absolutely said, well, you know, <laughs> we're poisoning your dog. We're going to wipe out the system. You can't, you can't feed raw, but I tell people it's, that's the most important time to be feeding a fresh food diet. It's like you said, you're going to feed a diet that's going to poison the dog and feed the cancer. No, that's, they need, they need that good nutrition more than ever. But yeah, the vets, so they'll tell them that all the time. Very, very commonplace. So here's what the vets tell the folks with cancer dogs. They say, we want you off the raw diet because the immune system is already compromised and he won't be able to handle bacteria from raw meat. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, do you, I, is... Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it, <laughs> That's my reaction. I'm just like, it's, it's absurd. It's I'm just, because it, because this is the diet that best supports the immune system. It's the, the imbalanced raw diet is the best support for the immune system. So why on earth would you want to pull that out when we, we need a stronger immune system? We need to be optimizing their health. I have never seen, a, I mean, cancer patients, sometimes their appetite is a little iffy because they don't feel good. You know, sometimes they're not thriving, they're in pain. And sometimes they're just not eating well in general. I have never seen a cancer patient, you know, like do poorly on raw, like because of, you know, imaginary bacteria. I mean, it's just, it's just the most ridiculous thing. I mean, what, I mean, what do dogs eat in the wild? I mean, I, I had to get used to, we got outdoor cats, you know, they're, they'll, they'll kill a, bird and it'll sit out there for days, you know, and I'll go out there and play with it. And, you know, it's like, you know, you know or, or dead mouse or something like that. And the animals are exposed to that stuff all the time. It isn't killing them. The, uh, I, I would contend that barn cats, outdoor cats are far healthier than these indoor cats that are oh, yeah. eating a prescription or a dry diet. It's, unreal it's unreal i the 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 mindset the marketing dr jacek is so strong that pets are being killed every day because Absolutely. of it because Absolutely. of Absolutely. that narrative and they need it's just like kids human children you know people think oh we got to keep them clean and don't let them go get their hands or they need to be out there eating dirt how do you think they get a good strong immune system. They're out there, you know, in the mud and the dirt and just being kids. And that's what, that's what animals do too. And that's how they build up their immune system. Like I've heard so many people say over the years, like breeders will tell them, don't put your puppy on the ground for till it's four months old. Like what? Like, seriously, they're told this, don't put them on the ground outside of your home for four months because they might get some terrible 
disease. It's like, well, then you've just missed this whole opportunity to actually build up a healthy immune system. So instead of that, they pump them full of vaccines and then they have autoimmune disease and cancer, you know, later on in life. You know, it's, it's beyond me. It's, it's just, you know, I, uh, during this hard 75, and I've said this many times, I read a lot, right? Cause you got to read 10 pages a day. So I've been reading, you know, all of these, uh, raw feeding books. And the, the one thing that Dr. Billinghurst talks about over and over raising puppies. And he's like, look, don't overfeed them. Keep them hungry. You've said this too. Um, your puppy should learn to eat everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have so many pet parents that say, my dog will only eat X, mm-hmm. right? They will only eat turkey. And I'm saying, well, a little tough love, mom, because this dog is not going to be as healthy as a dog who will eat everything, right? And um, a variety, such a variety is so important. And all of the folks that worry about bones, you know, I just want to say, guys, you are going to compromise your dog's health because of your own fears, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the biggest errors I see when people are trying to put together. It's one of the reasons I I tend to discourage home prepared meals when people ask about that. I'd like to just do it on my own. I was like, well, you got to have bone in there. So, you know, that means you either got to be feeding like poultry bone or you have to grind it. And like, it's just, it's just, it's a lot of work. Like, I, I don't even know why people would want to try to do that. And I don't think it's any less expensive. And where are you going to go find spleen and lung and kidney and some of these, some of these other organs, but yeah, not putting that bone in. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. And I know some other um, commercial bras that I've seen don't have enough bone in them. And that's the mineral content. And it doesn't matter if you add the, you know, the synthetics, the, you know, the, Complete and balanced, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the complete and the complete and balanced with all the synthetic minerals because those may not be bioavailable. Just feed them, feed them the natural bone. Brian just did a a video, um, and I'm hoping to put it up. Sometimes when you do the videos via phone and then you try to put them up on the site, they don't transfer well. But what he did um, was he showed. Uh, I think they were chicken wings. So he did a meal of, you know, it, there was, there was the blend and there were uh, chicken wings and, you know, maybe there were some pork brains. What, what it really showed pet parents is how dogs eat bones. Right. And he got some great feedback from the pet parents who said, you know, I've been so afraid to, um, to, you know, uh, feed bone, but it was these wings, right? And they're mm-hmm. not, they weren't small, but basically what happens is this crunch, 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 swallow. Mm-hmm. It's, it, they're not going to chew them right. and it's perfectly safe. This is the way they were created. And when you read either Longsdale or you read Billinghurst, and I'm not saying that, that I agree with everything because there's some oils that they want to add. Now, in all fairness, these, 
books were probably written at the time that the oils weren't contaminated like they yeah, are. Now. Probably right. healthier. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, they're like, if you do not feed raw meaty bones or real bone to your dog, you're gonna have some real problems. An eggshell is not a substitution for real bone. I get that, and I get that question a lot. Well, can't I just throw in some eggshell? I mean, it's okay to feed eggshell but it's not a substitution for the real bone it's not the balance doesn't have the balanced mineral content that dogs need no he he actually contends that 60 to 70 percent of your dog's diet should be raw meaty bones oh wow okay? well, that's a lot yeah so basically they did mostly raw meaty bones. Now, guys, when I'm saying that, I'm talking about bones that are consumable and have meat on them, not a, a hard bison knuckle bone, because right. they're not just not going to consume that, right? Or, that may be good. Femur or something. They're not, they're not consuming the bone. Right. And he even talks about, look, puppies, puppies, as soon as they're weaned. And, and he's like, you start these puppies on bones early. You um, give them a variety early. Mm -hmm. So you don't, he said, never give in to the cooked or the processed foods. You don't do it, right? Because then you're teaching them, you can have whatever you want. If you want crack and cocaine, because it makes you happy, mommy's going to give that to you. Right. And right. yeah. And I see. Like, I see that uh, I see that a lot in in pet parents where they put something down. Maybe the dog doesn't. Now a healthy puppy, I mean, they just eat anything. I, it's so rare that I see a puppy that does not transition well to raw and just like just stop feeding whatever you're feeding and just go right to raw. Just cold turkey. They haven't been on the kibble long enough to really screw up their gut in most cases, and they can just transition and be fine. But People that have dogs, yeah, and I experienced this. I remember when I had my little chihuahuas, my little CJ was five pounds. And, you know, as soon as her appetite got picky, I'm like, I'm overfeeding her. She didn't mm -hmm. get hungry enough in between mm -hmm. meals because she only ate a couple ounces. I mean, literally, like you put a tablespoon in her dish. Right. And she'd maintain her five pounds. It didn't look like very, so it's very easy to feed an extra 25 or 30% if you're just eyeballing it, you know. Um, but she'd dance around the dish and she'd look at me with the sad eyes. And, but a lot of people like they're just, their dogs just have to, they just can't stand if, if their dog misses a meal and dogs are acting fine, you know, and they're not vomiting directly and they just skip a meal. Maybe they have been eating too much or, you know, they need a, they need a fast, but if you're overfeeding, so you're doing, well, they don't eat this. So then an hour later, well, let's offer them this. And then an hour later, well, let's offer them. They're waiting for the next best offer. You know, it's like you said, a little tough one, put the food down. This is what I tell people about cats because cats work that mm. all the time. So you put the food down, you give them 15 minutes, they don't eat it, you pick it up. And 10 or 12 hours later, you put the food down again. And they'll figure out that if they want something to eat, that they're going to have to eat what's, you know, what's in their dish. And, but people... People don't like that. And I know you get the sad eyes and all that stuff, but it's usually that that kind of picky, picky eaters very often is the way they're being fed. It's not like 
they just have because dogs love to eat. I mean, mm-hmm. dogs should tear into their food, chow it down, snarf it down. And this whole business about, oh, we got to do these little mats to make the dog eat slower. Like dogs are meant to eat fast. They they chow it down and they go usually lay down for a little bit, take a little nap, let their body digest it. And, and they're good to go. You don't have to slow down their eating. That's, that's normal for dogs. They had to, you know, in the wild, they had to eat before the grizzly bear came and, you know, stole the carcass or whatever. There was a lot of competition. So they had to, they had to eat fast. And you know what? Sometimes they vomit bones back up. So what? They, you know, didn't sit well with them for whatever reason. Um, who knows, but that's what vomiting is for. You know, I mean, right? That there's something there that maybe there's a little sharp edge on the bone, and so they vomit it back up. It doesn't mean you don't ever feed your dog bone again. It just means, for whatever reason, that particular piece of bone wasn't sitting well with them, and so they they burp it back up. And if you don't catch it, they probably just eat it again anyway. <laughs> Wait, well, you know what's what's amazing, Doctor Jacek is. Um, Again, these narratives about raw versus kibble. And right now, there is a huge issue with uh, pets refusing food, lethargy, diarrhea, bloody diarrhea, and bloody vomiting. And cats, uh, one lady has 26 cats, I think, that have all died on this certain food. Now, here is the thing. Nobody's hearing about this. Okay, and here are the brands, and I would contend that many of these brands are made by the same company, Um, but here are the brands that we hear so many people feeding, and they're like, my dog can't eat this because they had a problem with this kibble. No, it's just freaking kibble, okay, but here are the brands, and there's a lot, Dr. Jasek, where these dogs are having problems problems. Purina is number one. Uh, but then we've also got Taste of the Wild, Stella and Chewies, Royal Canaan, Pure Balance, Primal, Pedigree, Organics, Origin, Four Health, Arcana, American Journey, Blue Buffalo, Diamond, Farmina from Hills, Instinct, uh, Kirkland's, and Merrick. Wow. Now, that's all that's all over the map. All over the map. Now here's what we know so far. Um, there, there is a, a Facebook group out there and there, and, and some of the big vets out there are talking about it. Um, very like pet food industry is not talking about it. Um, what they have done, Dr. Jason, which I find this is interesting. Everybody that's in this industry looking at that are, are, are saying what synthetic additives right? Because, or a miscalculation of an additive, mm-hmm. right? And where do you get your additives, your synthetics? Okay. What the FDA has done, guess what they, they went in and tested these brands for, for salmonella and I think E. coli, which nobody thinks it's that anyway. So they're right. like, oh, well, we've tested it and we don't, you know, it's like, what is the yeah. synthetic additive? Okay. Right. Especially with that, that's a large variety of different brands. Now, I mean, I don't know what the parent corporations are for all those companies, but there's probably way fewer like parent 
there might probably just a couple parent corporations, but right. they, you know, they just buy these synthetics in bulk and all these companies, even though they're very different, well, I don't know, they're all kibble. I don't think it's really that different, but they have different claims and different, you know, marketing claims and all that different proposed purposes for their food. Um, but they're still getting these, you know, synthetics from similar sources. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see how it could be anything else than some, some either contaminated synthetic or a synthetic mix. I mean, that's another thing that a lot of these companies do is they get pre-made mixes of synthetics, the complete and balanced, you know, vitamin and mineral mix, mm -hmm. and they might be, um, you know, out of balance. They, they got too much of something or too little of something, something's uh, not right in there, but it's probably there's something toxic, some chemical. I mean, you, you have no idea where this stuff comes from, how it's processed. Is it processed in other plants where there's chemicals? I mean, you, the people scrutinize raw that has, you know, meat bones and organs on the label, but they don't even think about all that whole list of synthetic chemicals. Where did each single one of those come from? Nobody asked about that. That's really what they should be asking. Right. But you could see almost like a two-tier system, almost like a two-tier system in the pet food world, mm -hmm. right? The raw dog foods, you know, they get, they get, you know, scrutinized for no reason. And then you've got um, you've got big pet food who, I mean, have had recall after recall after recall after recall. People don't hear about that. It's like I was looking at on pet food industry today, and you should read the spin, Dr. Jasek, on the whole lawsuit for this DCM thing. Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't even understand it. And it's like, what is it that you don't understand? I don't understand it. We've got all the information that shows it was a total scheme to prop up their sales. Okay. And in that you caused no sales or a limited uh, amount of sales uh, in, in the other companies. So it's, again, pet parents have to be aware and they have to not be so afraid of their vets, Right. Not not be so afraid. And I I how do you, let me ask you how you handle this? When you've invested a ton of time in a patient, a ton of time, and you've worked with them to get them off of toxins, to get them the real food that they were created to eat. And then that patient runs back to a traditional vet. And pharmaceuticals and pharmaceuticals and pharmaceuticals are added. What do you do? Because it's like, I have that happen, right? I have that happen. And people come back to me and I'm like, I don't know how to help you now because yeah. you're on all these toxins. I don't know how to help you. Um, I just move them on. I, you know, I just say, you know what? Clearly you've chosen to go down that path and that path is not compatible with the path we recommend. So um, here's a copy of your records and good luck because you can't, you can't do both. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, there's some pain meds or a few pharmaceuticals occasionally, maybe 
antibiotics for a couple of days. You know, there's sometimes, you know, some interventions are necessary, but it's, it's the mindset of the people. Like they're just not comfortable breaking away from that conventional approach and they don't see the fallacy in it. They don't see how this is doing way more harm to their pet, usually until they lose a pet. And that's a lot of the people I work with. They've lost pets in the past, or they have a pet that has, you know, suffered really bad reactions to vaccines or to some medication. And they can see that now like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. Help me do something different, but they're not back and forth. I, I don't work with those people. I just don't, mm -hmm. I, I can't be I can't be effective. The things that I do, you can't help support the body and poison the body at the same at the same time. And the people I work with, you know, if you know something serious, sometimes a pet needs to go to the ER to get stabilized. You know, they've got a bleeding tumor or something. Okay, mm -hmm. they got to go in. They got to do whatever is necessary to get the pet stable, and then we carry on um, a long term. But I'm, you know, still advising them on that. But I, I, I don't. You know. You, you, you can't. I mean, I can't work with that. I, I was thinking about how many pet parents have probably been feeding that list of food that I just mm -hmm. read off and they go into the vet and let's say, let's just say that it is a toxin from a toxic situation from an additive, let's say it's a vitamin D toxicity or it's a something, right? Um, the melamine, you know, thing that happened, mm -hmm. what was that in 2017 or was it 207? I can't remember. I remember. Uh, but anyway, a lot of dogs dying and we've got several, you know, hundreds of dogs that are dead. Um, if the vets don't know about it because it's kept quiet, pet parents don't know anything about it. They're taking their dog in they're toxic. The kidneys are, you know, then they're put on antibiotics. Then they're put on some type of a pharmaceutical that is not going to address a toxicity. Right. And they die. And the pet parents don't realize that there's other dogs that are dying too. It's a mess. Right. Because they're not they're not stopping the thing that's poisoning the dog. It doesn't matter how many drugs you give them if you're still poisoning them with that with that food. Yeah, because they want to keep it they want to keep it quiet. They don't, you know, they want the vets to keep recommending these are these are big brands, you know. They want to keep their sales up and that's you know, it's really tragic that they're more worried about their bottom line than the health of their customers, but that's apparently the case. Well, and I I have heard that the vets are they're they're they know that something's wrong, right? They're seeing patients come in, they know that something's wrong. And yet they're like, I can't really say anything because I'm under this contract, right? Uh, with the big pet foods. And and um and and you're like, first do no harm. <laughs> Where is right. that? Right. Yeah, that's just out the door, out the yeah. door. What happened to advocating for your patient? Yeah. Right. And, I mean, I'd be pissed if I, if I knew, like, if I found out that, you know, that wasn't a vet, I took a pet in and found out that 
they knew that the brand I was feeding my pet could be making it sick, but they didn't tell me because, you know, they got some corporate alliance. Man, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be suing. I'd be at least be reporting them to the board or something. I, I'd be mad. It's like, but the board, is that like the fox watching the hen house? I mean, seriously, in, in all of the medications in all of this health world, you're just like, you know, who's beholden to who? It's such a mess. Right. right. But it get but it gets their attention. Like a lot of times, like you could send a complaint to their state board, um, and nothing may come of it, but the vets hate it. And it'll get their attention. You just you're gonna say, hey, this is not appropriate. And they're not gonna care maybe what you say in the office. They're just gonna move on to their next client. But every vet hates getting the letters from the board that, you know, just nobody likes that. So it's just a way of saying, Hey, you know, you're not, I'm aware of what you're doing and there's going to be some, some repercussions because this fear of losing a license is pretty huge. And that's what they feel when they get that, uh, when they get that letter. So even if nothing comes from it, they have to respond. They have to sit down, write a letter back to the board. Um, so it's, you know, it, it gets their attention. So one of the fears that I know that pet parents have, and this came up in the new feeders webinar, is the question that they have is, how do I keep my pet healthy? How do I, you know, protect my pets if I don't go to the vet? That's their question. It's it's very frightening to them. So what do you have to say about that? Um, well, these days I'd have to say that vets do way more harm than good, sadly, in, in a lot of cases, because the the only real place, and I think this is the I think this is the case in human medicine too. Conventional medicine is really great for emergencies. Your dog gets a broken leg, it's got a cut that's gushing, got a bleeding tumor, take them in and get them stable. But for long-term wellness care, all they're doing is poisoning the pet. So I think people need to, or I would ask the question then, what is your vet doing to keep your pet healthy? If it's vaccines, you know, diet recommendations, you know, other preventatives, all that stuff is, is, is poisoning the pet. It's not, it's not helping. And if every time you go into the vet, you're just getting a, you know, a bottle of prescriptions. I can't, you know, how many times we see pets come in, like they got diarrhea and they go into the vet and they get the bottle of metronidazole and they come home and like, well, a couple of days later, the diarrhea was gone. Well, it probably would have been gone anyway. Probably got better in in spite of the antibiotics, not because of it. And you do that often enough, you're going to screw up the gut and it quits working. Then they come to me. Holistic medicine, a lot of times <laughs> we're, we're more still kind of the last resort, but um, you're like, well, these pharmaceuticals aren't working. And I'm right. Now you poisoned your pet and you know, we've got some work to do, but, but we can probably do it. But what people, so, so what is the perception of health? What is it about going to the vet that people think is keeping them healthy? It's, it's only up here in their head because their pets are really being poisoned. So people are living in this illusion 
that the vet is doing all this stuff for their pet and people need to wake up to that and realize that that's not the case and that they have or they can find all the information they need to keep their pet healthy at home on their own, aside from the, you know, obvious emergency or accident. So how does one traditional or holistic vet determine that a dog has cancer? How's that determined? Well, usually it starts with some sort of mass, you know, um, obviously if it's an external mass, got a, a lump or lymph nodes enlarge, something like that. And then, um, people will often get, I mean, before I see people, I don't recommend even doing needle aspirates because from my perspective, it doesn't really matter what type of can what those cells are. We got a mass growing. That's a sign. We've got an imbalance in the body and I'm going to work on the wellness plan for that pet and do some things that helps break up masses and things like that. Because the more you poke at things, the more it usually makes them worse, but you usually have that information when people come to me, because the first thing they do is they put a needle in it or they get a biopsy or it's removed, which I don't recommend that in most cases either and biopsy. So then you have a pathology report, um, or there's other symptoms like say there's vomiting that, I mean, like multiple times a day vomiting that, you know, really persistent vomiting. And then we get an ultrasound and find a mass or, um, the dog, you know, um, the case of some tumors in the spleen will bleed and the dog will get very weak and collapse from the blood loss. And then they go in and they do imaging and they find out, well, the dog's got the bleeding tumor. So, you know, based on, you know, symptoms, I guess. And then, you know, conventional medicine can't treat anything without naming it and staging it. And I don't, staging means absolutely nothing to me. It doesn't change my approach because I'm treating the pet. I'm not treating whatever stage lymphoma or mast cell or whatever. It's just the more they can name things, then they've got their treatment protocol. It's just formulas that they just plug that into their little treatment formula. Then they have a treatment for that because they're not looking at the patient. They're treating the diagnosis, not, not the patient. So really that information isn't that, uh, that relevant because you can tell by the behavior and how the pet, you know, if you have a a mass that's growing really rapidly, you know, that's pretty serious. It's probably some sort of malignancy. Or if you have enlarged lymph nodes and the pet is really feeling crummy, doesn't want to go on walks anymore, isn't eating, then, you know, you've got, you know, something more serious going on. So I can, I can tell an awful lot just by looking at the pet. And I am starting to see some clients that do not want to take their pets in. They've had the bad experiences. Like, I don't want to go into the vet. Will you still help me? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We'll do you know, we'll do, we'll do what we can even without blood work or anything, you know, because, you know, we treat, treat the patient, we see what's going on with the pet. So all that testing and everything, I mean, you know, sometimes it's useful information, but it's not really necessary to treat. You know, I think about how I think, uh, with Lazi, uh, and even with Asta, I'm like, they look healthy. They act healthy. Um, so I don't need to go looking to make sure. Right? It's like, I think that 
as pet parents, we want to try to stave off a disease, right? It's like, I, I, I don't want the disease to happen. Great. And that's why you feed raw, right? You, mm-hmm. Certainly. But I think they, a lot of folks take that a step further and they're like, I got to do this test and that test and this test and that test. And invariably they're going to find something. And most of the time, what we see is that may not be the right, you know, diagnosis. And right. And so I, I tend to not do that. You know, I tend to look at my dog, look at their weight, look at their coat, look at their eyes, look at their teeth, all of those different things. I feed raw. I do whole food supplements. I see Dr. Andy. I get my dog adjusted. Um, If I, you know, I may decide to go down the path of acupuncture, you know, the healthy things that I would do for myself. Right. But I, I don't, now I know my mom does this. Maybe it's just that generation, but I don't go into the doctor and go, Hey, give me a full checkup here. Check, check, check me over. I'm like, if I know the typical things that cause cancer, right? Toxins, processed foods, you know, drinking too much, smoking, um, you know, all of the contaminate your body. Well, I just don't do that. (laughs) What am I going to do different? Right. Right. Let's say I did come down with cancer. Right. I, I would do mistletoe. I would do saunas. I would do infrared. I would do high doses of vitamin C. You know, I would do those type of things. I would make sure that there wasn't any sugar in my diet. <laughs> I would drink uh, structured water, you know. Right. You clean up your act. And so why not just go ahead and clean up your act anyway? Right. That's the, that's the prevention. Like why people, it's like, it's like a, I think it's become a false sense of security. If they go in and the vet says, yep, your pet, pet looks good. And then people feel feel good about that because they had somebody tell them somebody in a white coat, tell them that their pet is healthy. And it's like, you're saying, you know, if your pet's healthy, you know, they're running around doing their dog stuff, doing the zoomies, they got a vigorous appetite and, you know, normal poops. And like, you know, you know, that your dog's healthy. And and what I see is the more time to go in, the more likely they're going to find something and they're going to start your dog on drugs and they're going to get sicker and they're, they create things, they create problems by taking them in. And even if they don't find anything, well, they want to vaccinate or it's the flea and tick or the heartworm there, you end up just getting your pet poisoned um, by the trips to the vet. Sadly, the very industry that should be keeping your pet healthy is actually poisoning it. And so if you're not going to do all those poisons, and your pet's acting fine, what is the point of going in? If you and especially if you understand wellness, you know, I mean, it, it's it's not hard. I mean, to me, pet health is incredibly simple. You feed them a, a raw, balanced, species appropriate diet, and you quit poisoning them. That's it. That's really all you got to do. The patients I work with, well, they've been poisoned for years, usually. Um and and sometimes it's you know the obvious most of the times the obvious it's the it's the vaccines or um, even people been on a better diet if they're still vaccinating or they're 
itchy. So they've been on the cytopoint and the apoquil or it's almost always a very obvious, you know, stream of, of, of poisoning cancer and illnesses. That's it's toxicity. You have to stop poisoning them. And there's things in the environment that, you know, are harder to mitigate, you know, things in our air, things in our water, well, you can do filtered water. You can mitigate that, but you don't know what that might be out in the puddle that your dog drank park, you know, so you have to be careful for the, but if you're doing, if you're doing everything you can to control the things you can control, the body can detox. It's just when it gets overwhelmed with toxins. So if you do everything you can, and then your dog gets exposed to something out of the park, well, then there's a much better chance that its body's going to be able to handle it. And that won't cause cancer. Yeah, I, we we have to, and again, Dr. Jasek, it is such a, uh, a a mind shift that the pharmaceuticals adding in pharmaceuticals on an already um, toxic dog uh, or or declining dog. It, like you said, short term, a few instances, but uh, it's uh, it it's really tough. I was thinking about. Uh, a raw feeder who has a dog that um, had a limp in the front foot. So they put them on all these pain meds, right? Gabapentin being one, four different pain meds included in there. Well, the dog has stopped eating, stopped eating raw. So what does the pet parent do? Takes it back to the vet. Now is putting them on a canned food because gotta eat. Not raw, it's going to be canned. So we're stacking on the toxins mm-hmm. and we're going back to a processed food. And I bet and, they use an appetite stimulant too, because that's another thing that drives me crazy. Well, not only this, but now they're saying, well, the dog was tested in for your lichia, uh, you know, and so it's probably a, a tick-borne disease, you know, some tor- type of Lyme disease. So now we got to go in and get on uh, what is it? Doxycycline? Doxycycline, the antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm just like, okay, at that point, I'm just, and and they're like, what do I do? And I said, talk to your, talk to your vet. I, I, I've been saying for years, this is probably not going to have the best outcome if you go down that path, but who am I? Right. So, yeah, I, I question, I even quite, I question a lot of these, this testing, but like these tick-borne diseases and stuff, how, how real is that? I, you know, it, it, or is there some other reason? There's some other toxicity. There's some other besides this, you know, organism because those diseases become chronic. Supposed Lyme disease becomes chronic. Is it like they have a doxycycline deficiency because that's what happens. They just keep putting on more and more and more doxycycline. Well, if that was true, that there was some microorganism and the doxycycline was going to kill it, well, it should kill it and be done then. Why is it so chronic? There's there's more going on there. There's something else, some other some other toxicity, something else that's that's inflaming the body. But, you know, again, the medical system, they, they test, they get to, and then, People sometimes like identify with this. Well, my dog has, you know, chronic Lyme disease, or my dog has this, or my dog has that. And they like just identify with that and get hooked on it. And, they, and you can't tell them like, maybe the dog doesn't 
have that. Maybe there's some other reason why you can tell them. But a lot of times people just, um, they, they don't want to hear it. And people say, you know, do you treat such and such a condition, whatever diagnosis it is, they no. say, well, I don't treat diagnoses. I treat pets and I'm happy to help you, but I'm going to look at everything that's going on with your pet and we're going to create a wellness plan. And, you know, sometimes those people don't work with me and, you know, that's okay because they, they want a different approach. It's like people, it's almost like this Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> pets like identify that people like I've really met people that just felt like they'd like to have something wrong with their pet to obsess over as strange as that sounds. Cause like who wouldn't want a vibrantly healthy pet, but they like this. They like that, you know, that drama and they read about this and they read about this new treatment and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, I, I think the pets and the pets just end up getting sicker and sicker and sicker in those scenarios. Usually. What I was thinking about, cause I see this dog. This dog that that has this, you know, supposed limp. I don't see the dog limp that much. However, Asta jumped out of the back uh, seat of, of the car when she was around six and hurt that front wrist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and think about it. For us, Dr. Jasek, if we've had a really bad sprained ankle or we've fallen and something, you know, that may persist throughout the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. It, it may. a sensitive area. Yep. Sensitive area. Um, And so could it be something like that? This dog certainly was not spelt. Okay. And, and I often said, try dropping, you know, some weight off of this dog. Mm-hmm. Um. Look at the toenails, okay? Big issue. Well, they won't let me cut their toenails. Well, you got to figure out a way. Put a daggum muzzle on them if you have to. Cut those toenails. Um, But the other thing, I was talking to a guy yesterday, a new customer uh, on the phone. and And he was saying, you know, I think my dog has yeast because he's he's licking his front two paws right at the ankle area. And I said, well, I, I, I don't know that that would be yeast, especially if we're not, you know, it's not the pause, it's at the ankle areas. And I said, I've learned from Dr. Andy that sometimes it can be a back problem, mm-hmm. especially if they're not, if they're not licking all four paws um, and that area in the back, it's shooting down their legs and, mm-hmm. and that's why they're licking. And he said, you know what? He said, I had a car wreck and it ruptured a disc in my dog's back. He couldn't turn his neck for the longest time. And, um, and so I had no idea. He told me this after I talked to him about the, the possibility of that. But again, he didn't even know that there were such thing as dog chiropractors. No idea. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. A lot of people don't. A lot of people, because I recommend that too, unless it's like an obvious injury, like a, you know, sprained joint or it's deformed or broken or something. If it's just kind of this chronic irritation or low grade limp, I always recommend a chiropractic adjustment because I've seen that many times. People think it's the paw or something like where they're licking down here, but the problem may be, I mean, I know that for myself. I go to the- You lick your paws? You lick your paws, Dr. Judy. Okay. (laughs) It's very, I find it very soothing. (laughs) 
But I had, um, this is years ago. When I first started going to chiropractor, I had hand and wrist pain. I mean, so bad, but like by the end of a work day, it was hard to type on the computer. Like what the heck is going on? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to go into a regular doctor because I could probably want to do carpal tunnel surgery or something. <laughs> right. So I went to chiropractor and he said, well, yeah, your neck's out of alignment. Two adjustments, pain relief. So why, why can't that happen in our pets? You know, they're, this is painful and they're, they're licking or they're limping, you know, they have to walk on them and I couldn't type, but you, know, you can imagine if they had to walk on those painful feet because the pain's coming from up here and just a couple of adjustments and it goes better, gets better. And then they're not on all those pain meds that are screwing up their stomach. Um, you know, and sometimes with the pain meds, you know, inflammation is part of the healing process. Now, chronic right. inflammation is not healthy, but acute inflammation that brings in the substances from the body that help to heal. That's why I never used um, anti-inflammatories like after surgery. I might use some other types of pain meds, different drug classes, but use an anti-inflammatory, you're actually slowing down the, the healing process. Now, uh, you know, older dog with, you know, that's, that's very, very arthritic. Yeah. That those meds keep them comfortable. Sure. But for acute injuries, um, I would rather, you know, use ice or something just to reduce some of the swelling, but allow the body to get in there and heal. Because I think you do that knee jerk on the, on those NSAIDs and you actually slow down the healing process in some cases. Yeah. Well, I'm doing, I'm doing a chiropractic work now with Lazi. She's only five. There's not a problem. Also, um, if I, um, I'm going to seek out some, um, acupuncture, mm -hmm. right. So to do that. So all of the holistic treatments I want to do to keep my dog as healthy as possible, right? right. That I would do for myself. That's not, uh, putting a toxin in the body. And, um, so that, that's my plan. That's that, but I'm comfortable with that. Right. I'm comfortable with that. Um, and our pet parents have to get comfortable with looking at this thing that is in front of them. And I said on the new feeders webinar, what is this in front of you? It's a carnivore. And you've got to understand that first, open up its mouth. Let me know if you have a dog with a molar. Okay, because if they got any molars, I want to get a video on that, Dr. JC, because, you know, do we have any like the big, the big grinding teeth like cows and horses have? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me see if they've evolved, right? Have they evolved to that point? Uh, if they have, then, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's it, you know, but we, this is why we do the podcast. This is why we do the, the webinars, um, the itchy pet webinar, people say, what do I do about an itchy pet? Stop vaccinating, stop putting toxins in their body. And, um, maybe you want to bring in more of a variety of food. Maybe you need a phytoplankton. Maybe you need some potency. Maybe you don't have enough omega-3 and maybe you're giving them too many baths. Okay. Too many mm -hmm. baths. And, uh, I would say if it's more than, you know, two a year, that's probably too many. Yeah. Right. The dogs with a healthy coat, they don't, they don't need to be bathed that often. No, you can brush them, get any dead hair out of there, but you know, they, they, they really don't need it. Yeah. And it does irritate even the quote unquote, you know, like when I work with, you know, dogs with itchy skin and they're going to the groomer, it's like, 
well, what are, what are they bathing them in? Oh, well, they use some natural oatmeal shampoo or something. Well, those shampoos, you know, again, this is marketing. You might have a little oatmeal in there, but they probably have 10 other chemicals in there. If you're going to be bathing, then, you know, you need to make sure you're using a, a natural soap. I recommend towel soap. Towel yeah. is just fat and it, and it, and it will clean, but it doesn't, it, it's actually moisturizes the skin um, doesn't get all nice and sudsy like we're used to, but that's just sudsing agents. That's just, that's not cleaning it, it cleaning any better. It's just really putting more chemicals. And I think some skin treatments, some ear treatments, dogs with, you know, ear problems, I ask what they're using because they use these cleaners from the vet that are so harsh and so toxic. They're like 60% isopropyl alcohol. And we stop using those and just like use a little coconut oil for a while just to calm down the inflammation and the ears get better because it's the products that are part of the problem. And it's, you know, it's sad. It, it, it makes me really sad to say that vets are poisoning our pets, but they are because I've been in this profession a long time. I don't even want to say I'm in this profession anymore because it's, it's, it's really sad, but I see it every day. We have to have you in this profession. Right. There's so few of you. And I often think, you know, what's going to happen when all of the people that die off that are, are fighting for pets health. Right. Because they the numbers. They keep putting out a lot of their soldiers every single year. Right. Every single year. Mm -hmm. And it gets crazier and it gets crazier and it crazier. Now. On the positive side, there's a lot of us, uh, a lot more of us than uh, that are talking about holistic health, right? Even on the the human side. And I think if you've got people that are into holistic health on the human side, hopefully that translate over to their pets, right? right? What we need, what we really need is we need the younger vets doing it. Cause well, we do. Know, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only going to be around so long in a 30 more the... years, at least 30, <laughs> maybe 40, according <laughs> to your mom. I don't know that I'm going to be working for 30 more years. Right. So we'll, right. We'll see. But, uh, you know, we need some young blood. We need some young energetic vets. And unfortunately they're so indoctrinated by the system. And I think the way that's going to change is it has to be the pet parents. They have to go in and start demanding and demanding, like say, no, I want to, I want this kind of care. You don't give me this kind of care. I'm going to go someplace else. There has to be a marketing push for, mm -hmm. I mean, coming from the pet parents. And if they get enough parents going in, maybe they take notice and, and start to learn something new, you know, um, actually had a, a client, she's, um, in Utah, her dog, um, was diagnosed with osteosarcoma about a year ago. And now it's, unfortunately it, it spread to the jaw and she's a, a vet tech and she ended up, she said, I, I had to get a job in a, you know, uh, she went to a, a, like a specialty clinic cause she needed a paycheck. Right. And uh, she said they, they paid well. So it's just really hard because she believes in, you know, more holistic treatments. She said, but I found this encouraging. They were really interested in what she was doing. Because a lot of times vets, the oncologists, like even pets are doing really well. They don't care. Ah, you're just a, a fluke, you know, that your dog is doing better than most cancer patients, you know, but they were really interested 
And she actually asked me if I would talk to them about mistletoe. This patient was doing mistletoe. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm happy to get anybody started doing this because we need more vets. So to see vets on the conventional side, uh, I get real excited when I hear that. It doesn't happen very often, but people need to be demanding. But they were, they, this was actually the clinic that did the leg surgery. And so most vets will tell you that osteosarcoma patients, even after amputation, don't live for a year. And her dog had done really, really well. Um, she had had some family stuff going on and had a lapse in treatment, unfortunately. And and so now it's it's in the jaw, but they were like really curious, like, okay, we took this dog's leg off and it's like done great for a year. What are you doing? So they knew her and they knew the dog. So they were at least curious about it. We need more vets like that, but it's, I, I just don't, I just don't see it happen. I, you know, it's, it's so rare to get a vet that really has a true holistic perspective, but we, we need it. And maybe, you know, maybe that time is coming, but I, I do think it's going to come from the pet parent. It's going to come from the demand. The vets are not going to get up one day and say, I think I'm going to learn more about holistic medicine today, you know, because there's too indoctrinated and they're too programmed by the, by the system. And they're too afraid to think outside the box because they might lose their license and, you know, standard of care and all that. But if enough people come in wanting something different, that that's where the change can happen. It's really up to the pet parents. That's the right. power. There's, there's power in numbers and that's, and that's what we need. Us, few of us holistic vets around the country talking about this stuff. We're not going to change the industry. No, it, it, it's going to take the pet parents. Yeah. Lots and, and even if the industry isn't going to change, your mindset can change. Yeah. Your protocols can change. Right. You didn't, uh, there were people back in the COVID thing, right? You weren't going to beat that system at that time, but you could beat the fear in your own mind. You could, you could figure out a different way to work in the world that was just nuts at that time, right? Same thing you're going to have to do with the pets, right? Because I was listening to, uh, I think it was Mike Smith talk about that Google, Facebook, um, there were several others that they, they're trying to file a lawsuit and change the system, but basically they control what gets advertised and they mm -hmm. push up right? The big corporations, why the small companies are getting crushed. And they were talking about this mm -hmm. with Amazon. They were saying, you know, Amazon is a marketplace for the China, basically. They said, so when you look at Amazon, you need to see China because that's what's happening. And they're crushing the small companies. And, um, but basically what I got out of that talk was, if you're out there searching for things, you have to remember that Google, and it's probably who I didn't, Google is the one who controls what gets seen, mm -hmm. what gets sold. So a narrative is there, right? Uh, it's just like in Big Pet Food. Why is it a $21, $22 billion right? Because the marketing and they control that marketing. Now, is that good for you? We, we say no. <laughs> we say no because we've seen it. All you got to do is look at your pet. 
how many people on kibble diets are going to say, well, my dog's allergic to this and they're itchy, but they're just itchy and there's no reason for them to be itchy. It's not the food. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get on side of point and, you know, and my dog has digestive issues and the poops, well, they're just runny as all get out. But, you know, we just do metronidazole and then that's fine. And then, of course, you know, my dog just happened to get cancer, have no idea how they got cancer. Right. Right. Where on earth, where on earth did that come from? You know, and the other thing too is, is searches. If, if somebody goes out and searches for, is there bad bacteria in raw food? You're probably going to find, yeah, that, oh, that yeah. that's going to be the answer. It doesn't mean it's the truth, but if you, you, if you're going to, if you're going to search for information, don't lead it. It's like opening, uh, or, you know, asking an open-ended question. If you ask a leading question, on Google, they're going to, because they are supported by these big corporations selling these kibble diets. So they are going to give you information telling you that raw food is bad. If you kind of lead that, lead that question. So you have to be, you just, you have to be so very careful. Don't, I mean, boy, take everything you read online with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, you need to, you know, get your information from personal, you know, resources, you know, um, friends, people, you know, that have had success or maybe, you know, learn from other, other raw feeders and things like that. Because if you just go on, you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of misinformation. Yeah. Yeah. And you can work with somebody like Dr. Judy Jasek because she's easy to find. She's at ahavet.com, ahavet.com. And you can work with her and her team. Um, and they will give you a second opinion. They will give you an alternate uh, protocol, an alternate reality that you don't have to stay in your box. Okay. If you decide to get out of the box, you can be supported uh, by folks like. It's Dr. really fun outside the box. Yeah. You get yeah. freedom. You don't get these walls around you. You can freedom. run around and do the zoomies <laughs> and it's fun to be outside the box. It is. It is. <laughs> And it's a lot healthier too, Dr. Jasek. Oh, Just yeah. saying. Oh, yeah. We uh, are working on the rabies webinar. It is coming soon. Woo, Dr. Jasek. I'm excited. That's I'm gonna, ready. That's going to be fun. That's going to mm. be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait. So we will be announcing that soon. Okay, guys, uh, get ready. Get ready because it is going to change your reality. So we hope that you're open to that. Okay, look. You can say yes, you can say no, but don't you want to have a different um a different uh set of information? Don't you want some, you know, you can only make decisions if you have all the information. Yeah. And, okay? and you and you have the truth. You don't have propaganda, you have actual truth. And when you know the truth, you know the thing, the truth will set you free. Truth may not be comfortable, it may no. not be something you want to hear. Right? It might you might have to go in and confront your vet, but if you know the truth, then you know you're making you're gonna you're gonna be making much better decisions for your pet's health. So it's mm-hmm. very freeing. I always want to know the truth myself personally, even if it's hard to hear. Even as like, wow, I and the stuff I learn about what's really going on in the world these days, it's some of it's pretty shocking. But yeah. I I want to know the truth because I'm a truth teller. I want to tell the truth. I want to speak the truth. And so I want to know the truth. I want to know that the information I'm putting out there is accurate. So 
You'll get, Amen. You'll get some truth about rabies. Can't wait. So stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, get your dog on a species appropriate diet with bones. Okay. There's bones in this blend and also raw meaty bones. You can find those right at Raw Dog Food and Company. Don't be afraid of bones. Oh my goodness. Uh, open up your dog's mouth. See that they're created for those. Okay. Yeah. And if just you don't feed, just don't feed cooked bones. That's where bones got their bad reputation is dogs getting old bones, uh, you know, out of the garbage or something like that. Those aren't good. Raw right. meaty bones, perfectly healthy. Yeah. And no roasted either. There's a lot of people that sell the roasted stuff. I'm just like, don't yeah. do that either. Cook them raw, raw, R-A-W, raw. Right? Raw, raw, raw. There it is. <laughs> All right, everybody. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business. And what, Dr. Jasek? Friends. Don't let friends be gibble, y'all. That's right. We'll see you soon, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, snap, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.